Welcome back to Second Look. This is the final installment of a four-part series called Everyone Within My Reach, From Strangers to Neighbors to Family. Today, Todd Erickson teaches on prioritizing the time to develop relationships with our neighbors. Lizzie Wegener and Susan and Mike Warner discuss the ways they've been intentional with their time to connect with those in their community. Glad you could be with us this morning. This is our last in our four-part series on what it means uh, to apply the gospel uh, that came to us, apply it to the people that live around us, uh, going from strangers to neighbors to friends. What does it mean to create that gospel community? We've been looking at several different things, hearing from our own congregation, our own church family, and what God has been doing in their lives. And today we are going to be looking at the topic of time for my neighbor. Invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at three verses there and take a little time to um, root our thinking in God's Word uh, before we hear how the Holy Spirit has worked that out in some of our friends here at Second Pres and what that might look like for us and be thinking about that. But as you're turning to Ephesians 5, I, I thought to myself as I was preparing this week, I, bet, I thought, I bet even the title, Time for My Neighbor, is stressing out about half of you in this room. Like half of you in this room already are thinking, uh, I know I should make time for my neighbor, but I don't have time. I know I should do this. I feel guilty about it. I feel stress about it. I'm worried about it. I'm feeling anxiety about it. I know I should do this, and then I should be doing this, and then I should also do that. And, oh, yeah, I need to do this. And there's just so much to do that it creates this anxiety, so much anxiety for us, so much anxiety in our society right now um, that there's different there's different categories of what's bringing us anxiety. I read this this last week of something called entertainment anxiety. And as I read about it, I'm like, I know what that is. I know what that is because Barton did that to me two weeks ago, right? And then about 20 of you have done that to me in the last couple of weeks. You've asked me this question. Oh, have you watched Stranger Things yet? And I'm like, no, in my head. I mean, I just say, no, I haven't. I probably should. But then I'm thinking more and more. It was asked to me. I was at a wedding in Huntsville yesterday. Somebody asked me about Stranger Things. I'm like, ah, I don't, I haven't. I've watched one show. I don't have enough time. When am I going to make time to do that? I've got another list of things. I've got these books I need to read. Then all of you are sending me podcasts. I'm like 15 podcasts behind, right? And then I've got you know, and I've got um, these blogs I need to read, and I put them into a, a folder, and I'm thinking, when am I going to... Time, I, it's, it's stressful to even begin to think about all the stuff I'm supposed to do. And then, on top of that, I'm supposed to have time for my neighbor. I'm supposed to be able to, to figure out how I, you know, um, like Julia said, just like, okay, i got to figure out when to go to the mailbox when my neighbors go to the mailbox so we can have a conversation, and then how long is that conversation going to be again? I know a lot of you in here are thinking, when you think time for my neighbor, you're feeling this great sense of hurry and worry and stress and guilt, thinking of what you ought to do, thinking about how in the world you're going to pull it off. Let me just relieve you right now, because that's my goal today. My goal is actually to, to de-stress your life. A couple things. First of all, you cannot do it all, even if you tried. You cannot do it all. And here's the best part. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to do it all. I know the world is telling us, and even sometimes Christian 
Christian books and Christian blogs and Christian podcasts are telling us the 150 things we ought to be doing. But you don't have to do it all. You know, when you look at the, at the Gospels and you see the life of Christ and you understand the whole of your Bible, we know that we're invited not just to the theology, to adopt the theology and the ethics of Jesus. We know that. We know we're supposed to adopt the theology and the ethics of Jesus. But it's not just that we're called to adopt or invited to adopt the theology and ethics of Jesus. We're also called to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And the lifestyle of Jesus, it wasn't necessarily easy, obviously. But it was this. It was unhurried, and it wasn't worried. It was purposeful. It had a lot of joy to it. And Jesus said that he has come, John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and you might have it to the full. And I bet all of us would love to have that. And still, in the midst of that, knowing that that life to the full is going to be a life that includes the peace of Christ, that includes the joy of Christ, that's what I hope us to, uh, we see this, this morning. So while we can get really practical about time for our, our neighbor, and we heard, certainly heard Julia and some others share, we might hear, we are going to hear this a little bit later. I want to pull back up a little bit higher, and I want to look from a bigger perspective, reading these three verses in Ephesians 5 that will give us, I think, a solid foundation to figure out how in the world we can apply these things to our lives so we don't have to be hurried and worried in the way that we live out our lives. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, excuse me, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Three things that I want us to see in that as we think about what it means to have time for anything, certainly time for our neighbor. The first is this. We see it in verse 15, and it's this. Live out your identity and mission in the Lord. You and I are called to live out our identity and our mission in the Lord. Look what it says there in the verses. Paul writes this. Look carefully then how you... Hold on. He doesn't say look carefully. He says look carefully then. What's the then? He could have just said, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. But he said, look carefully, carefully then. The then is referring to the verses he said before. It actually goes back all the way to verse 17. But let's just look at verse 1 of chapter 5. The then, the therefore. He's saying, therefore, or then, because of what I've said, look carefully how you walk. So what is, what is this then? Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Brothers and sisters, that's our identity. That's your identity. If you have given your life to Christ, if you've received the gift of salvation, your identity is that you are a dearly loved child of God. And that is the soul of your identity. Like that, that trumps everything else. I know, oh, I'm also a teacher, or I'm also an engineer, or uh, I'm also whatever, put in, fill in the blank, or I'm also graduated from this college or from this high school. What, great, great. Your core, what, what is the most important thing about you is that you are a dearly loved child of God. That is your identity. And then look what it says 
In verse 8, Paul writes this in chapter 5, verse 8. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. That's your mission. Your mission is to be light givers to this world and just to the people within your reach. That you would bring light. What is, what is light? It's everything that is good and that is true and that is right. So that's your mission. Your identity is you are a dearly loved child of God. Your mission is to bring light wherever you're placed. To bring whatever is good and true and right in that particular place. That is your mission. And and in that context, Paul says, because of that, because of your identity, because of your mission, look carefully how you walk. Live out that identity and that mission with your whole life in the Lord. Reminds me of something, some of you, certainly if you've been at Amen Bible Study, you've heard me say this several times because it's made such an impact on my life. A friend of mine, Doug Bradbury, years ago we used to do these wilderness trips together. Well, I would just attend the wilderness trip. He was the expert. I was not the expert. And every time we would leave that trip or every time I was with him, he would come speak at different things or any time I would see him or just hang out with him. When we would leave, Doug would always say this before we left. He'd look at me and he said, Todd, he would say, Todd, You are a dearly loved son of God. Now, go live like it. And that's what God's word is saying to us. Your identity is you are a dearly loved son or daughter of God. Now go live like it. You're free in that. Just this, uh, I guess a few months ago, Queen Elizabeth celebrated her platinum jubilee, which means she's been reigning as queen for 70 years. Um, some of us, like me, I'm like really into that. You know, I watched the, the Lady Diana wedding, all that. You know, some of you are like, why do we even still have kings and queens? I don't even understand this. What in the world does she do? Well, whatever the case, whatever your thought is, we do know this, that for 70 years, that woman has gotten up every morning and gotten ready for her day with one thought in mind. I'm a queen and I have a mission. <laughs> like it has informed everything about everything she does. Right? That's how she thinks. I've got to go live like this because of that. And even more so, and even greater, because it's eternal, is your identity and your mission in the Lord. You have an identity and a mission. And I would say to you, if you want to be unhurried and unworried, stop trying to add to that mission and identity. Stop. Stop trying to add things to your identity other than that you're a dearly loved child of God. Stop trying to add things to your mission other than that you are supposed to be someone who brings light to wherever God places you. Just live out that mission. Live out that identity. Promise it will decrease your hurriedness and your worriedness if you do that. Second thing I want us to see this morning is there in verse 16. And that's this. Order your whole schedule around that identity and mission. If that's your identity and mission, you're called to live it out, then let's go ahead, all of us, and order our entire schedules around that identity and that mission. It says in our uh, ESV Bibles, it says, making the best use of time. Uh, other translations uh, put it a different way. Literally in the Greek, it's redeeming the time. To redeem the time. The only other place 
other than in Colossians when it talks about redeeming the time, that that word is used is in regards to our own redemption, our own being purchased by God for our, uh, purchased by God for our identity to be His, to be connected to Him. And so, the best description, I love what one scholar, one scholar put it this way, that verse, maybe literally best would be said to uh, go ahead and buy up every opportunity you're given. It says, look carefully then how you live. Buy up every opportunity. Go ahead and figure out how to pay for every opportunity you possibly can. Let me encourage you in, in something. You do, because God would not give you a mission without giving you the resources. Every single one of us in here has enough time to live out the mission God has for us. We don't need, I'll get to the end of my day, and my assistant, Suzanne, who's amazing, if you've met her, she says, is there anything else I can do for you? And I'll say, can you give me an extra five hours? And, you know, she's like, well, it has a bad day. I'm like, no, I'm just not very, I didn't do a good job with that today. We don't get extra hours, but you don't need any extra hours to, to live out the mission. You have enough time to live out God's mission. But here's where you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to live out God's mission and add your own mission. And that's where the stress comes in. For years, you, many of you know I did youth ministry for years. And for years, I've had people at different times tell us that, you know, that, the, that the, the busyness of Sunday, the busyness that church makes Sunday be, or the busyness that, yeah, is particularly Sunday, busyness that church, you know, make Sunday be, that's our problem. We don't, we don't ever get to relax on the weekends because you guys make Sunday so busy. And I always ask them, hey, tell me what your Saturday looks like. And then they go talking about this sport and that sport and this rec thing and that rec thing and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I don't, think, I don't think church on Sunday is your issue. I think how you're spending your Saturdays is wearing you out. And then that's making getting up for the 8.15 service really stressful. But I don't think it's church that's stressful. It's, it's you've, there's a mission that God has given you, an identity God has given you, and you're trying to add to that and, and do this one too. You don't have enough time for that. You don't have enough time to do both things. This is a statement I've been saying for years, and back when uh, my own kids were in high school, they would groan at this statement um, they probably still groan, even though they're adults. Some of you will groan. But here's a wonderful statement for us. It's not that we don't have enough time. It's that we don't manage enough time. It's not that we don't have enough time. It's that we don't manage enough time. We just want, to, we want it to just happen. Well, it, it won't. If you don't manage your time, it will be managed for you. Some, it, it will, you will, pri, priorities will come into your life from the outside, and you will be prioritized unless you choose to figure out how to live your whole, order your whole schedule around that identity and mission. Now, let me give you some really encouraging and practical information. Maybe some of you already know this. Maybe some of you don't. So there are 168 hours in a week. 168 hours in a week. That includes the nighttime, 24. 168 hours in a week. If you were to sleep eight hours a night, like a solid good eight hours, I know some of you are like, I need more than eight. Actually, they tell us that humans just need between seven and nine. So these, so those of you that I need 10, you don't. <laughs> That's not accurate. But let's say we all get, an, we get a decent eight. And some of you are like, I would love to get a decent eight. Well, here we go. 
That's 56 hours. How are you? Well, I got a job, Todd. I got a job. Okay, great. Yeah, I work more than 40 hours. Okay, super. We're going to put 50 down. You work 50 hours. You sleep eight hours a night. You work a job really hard, 50 hours a week. You know what that leaves you? 62 hours of personal time. 62 hours a week that you get to decide what you want to do after you get eight hours of sleep and after you work 50 hours. Now, I know some of you with young kids are in here. You're like, and that 62 is gone. (laughs) Hey, well, you know what? I think that's probably your mission right now, to bring light to that place with those kids. And you know better than any of us, those kids really need some light in their lives. So... My encouragement to you is you begin to think about what does it mean to order my whole life around the mission and identity that God has given me? Just start with those 62 hours. And actually think intentionally, what am I going to do with those 62 hours that aren't sleep and aren't work that I get to decide what I do with? What do I want to do with them? How do I want to order those hours? Ordering our whole life, whole schedule around that identity. So live out your identity and mission in the Lord, verse 15. Order your whole schedule around that identity and mission, verse 16. Last is this, in verse 17. Make decisions based on that identity and mission. Make your decisions based on that identity that you are a dearly loved child of God and that mission that you have been placed on this earth and that you still are living because God wants you to bring light in whatever spot He's placed you. What is good and what is right and what is true. It says there in verse 17, understand what the will, understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's even reflecting what he said earlier. Look at verse 10, verse 10 of chapter 5. Paul says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So Paul says it twice. In just a few verses, understand what the will of the Lord is. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I mentioned young parents in here. It was a, uh, uh, several months ago, I had the opportunity, I was invited to one of the Sunday school classes to just talk about like parenting, like young parents in the church and bringing your kids up in, in the church, bringing your kids up in, um, in the faith, in the Christian faith. And we had great questions going back and forth. We had a great discussion. But we started the whole thing. I said, hey, before we get into it, I want to ask you two questions. And I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think of the answer in your head. I said, okay, the first question is this. Why did you decide to have kids? Why did you and your spouse decide to have kids? Think of that answer in your head. And I said, okay, next question. And why did God give them to you? Because just because you decided to have them doesn't mean you got them. So why did, why did you decide to have kids? And then why did, you, why did God give them to you? Think about that answer. And then I said, and let me just tell you, these parents, the gap between why you decided and why God gave, that's your anxiety gap right there. If it's aligned, if it's your aligned in your thinking, it will unhurry and unworry your life. If that gap is pretty far, you got a lot of stress in your life raising those kids. But you know what? That's a great question in any category. Why did you decide this and why did God give it to you anyways? So you could apply that to uh, 
buying a car. Why do you have that car and why did God give it to you? A house. Why did you buy that house and why did God give it to you? This relationship, friendships. Why, do you, why did you pursue that friendship or why did that happen? And then why, did God, why has God given it to you? A job. Why did you decide to go into that field of work? And then why did God let you do that? It could be anything. You see, we've got to begin thinking, what is it that would please God in this particular situation? Even our retirement. Some of you have been blessed in here to have done so well in your work that somewhere in your 60s or maybe even 70s, you are able to make the decision, I am not going to work a full-time paying job anymore. Like you were given that privilege. You made it. And I would say, why did you decide to do that? And then I would say, well, why did God allow you to be, have the resources to do that? Because not everybody has the resources to do that, right? And figure out, are these things aligned? Is my decision to retire aligned with the decision or the, the reason that God would allow me to? Because, again, we've got to make decisions based on our identity as dearly loved sons and daughters of God. And we need to make decisions based on the mission that God has given us, which we have until we die. We don't get to, we don't get to retire from the mission. Well, we do, right? We will get to retire from the mission. Um, and we will all have really awesome retirement uh, uh, vacation homes you know, on a sea of glass by the streets of gold. and all. You're going to get that. Don't worry. It's all guaranteed. Your inheritance is guaranteed, and you will get to retire from the mission. But you don't get to retire from the mission until you make it to that place. So if God has allowed you that privilege of retiring, why did he do it? And what are you to do with that time? What are you to do with the resources that God has given you. You know, the decisions that we usually have to make in regards to time or relationship, well, usually it's not a decision between something that's, that's right and wrong. Usually it's not a decision beside, between something that's good and bad. Usually it's a decision be, between something that's okay and best. So when you make those, how am I going to know when I have two decisions and one of them is not, they're, neither one of them sin, how do I know which one to take? Ah, right here. Verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 17. Understand what the will of the Lord is. I'll close with this before we bring up our friends to hear from them. You think about living out not just the, or adopting not just the ethics of Jesus and not just the theology of Jesus, but being invited to live the lifestyle of Jesus. I love how one writer put it. He said, this is what you need to do. This is how you unhurry and unworry your life. Three things. He said, one, be with Jesus. Two, become like Jesus. Three, do what Jesus would do if he were you. Just let those three things drive your time, your schedule, your relationships, your decisions. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus would do if he were you. Brothers and sisters, if we pursue that, if we live out our identity as dearly loved sons and daughters of God, and if we live out our mission to be light 
bringing what is true and good and right to wherever God places, we're going to have time for our neighbor. You are going to have time for your neighbor. And Jesus, Jesus said it over and over again. He said, listen, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So dearly loved sons and daughters of God, don't forget that that's who you are. Now let's go out and live like that. All right, friends, come speak into that for us, please. All right, we'll start off with introductions again this morning. So Lizzie, we'll let you start. I don't think the microphones are on, so you got to flip that. I'm Lizzie Wagner. I grew up here at Second. I became a Christian here at Second. I came um, back to do the Fellows Program in 2011. Um, and then last year, I got married to my husband, Glenn, uh, who couldn't be here today. So um, we're dividing and conquering. And um, we are in the Graham and Waring Parish and have really enjoyed doing that together. I'm Susan Warner, uh, married to Mike for 37 years. We have two sons, Paul and Evan. Uh, two beautiful daughters-in-law, three perfect grandchildren, <laughs> and um, I also grew up here at Second. I was baptized here as an infant, joined when I was 12, and I won't tell you what year that was, and uh, just uh, thankful to have uh, grown up in a church like this and with a Christian family. I have no idea the, when my conversion took place. Uh, I just know that the Lord has continually, through my life, drawn me to him, uh, and I've really felt it when I have uh, wandered away, and so very thankful uh, to be able to um, have had many experiences like that, particularly here at Second. I am, I've been involved over the years in several different ministries. Currently, um, I'm a deacon, singing the choir, uh, involved with the children's ministry um, on the uh, CPC and foundation boards, and uh, thankful to be involved in all of those ministries. Um, I'm Mike Warner, and uh, <clears throat> so you know the, most of what is important already. <laughs> uh, I came to Christ here in uh, November of 1989, uh, sitting under Dick DeWitt's preaching. And uh, I was in Sandy Wilson's first officer class as an elder, so that'll tell you how long I've been here. Um, and I've got lots of involvement. I'm happy to be here today. Great. Thank you. Mike, we'll start with you. The Lord has given you some opportunities in your neighborhood in particular that you might not have chosen for yourself other than the fact that it's given you a lot of opportunities to live more missionally with people that God has placed around you. Will you share some of those opportunities and the way the Lord is using those? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it's, uh, I know I'm going to sound like a plant, but it happened because I came to worship and listened to George. Uh, when, he, <laughs> when he first, uh, coming to worship is important. God does things in worship that doesn't happen in other places. But this was like his first year, and I can't even remember the context, but he was teaching on what it means to love your neighbor, and I just I remember to this day he said, 
Um, you need to know them by name. You need to have them in your home, and you need to find a way to serve them. And so, great. So I go home, and that week, the woman who was the president of our HOA came and asked me, and she was trying to get me involved, and she said, we need to rewrite our bylaws because they had expired. Our neighborhood was 30 years old, and we needed to revise them. And so uh, in order to do that, uh, it required to change your bylaws, require, it required, and the covenants, it, it required 75% participation by the HOA. Well, you can't get 20% participation in the HOA, so I had to go door to door to every, we have 59 homes in our neighborhood. I had to go door to door. And so I learned all of their names. Eventually, we, I haven't had them, all of them in our house, but I had them, we had them in our house and I found a way to serve them. So that's kind of how I got started by coming to worship and listening to what George was saying. And uh, just by way of, uh, it, you know, I, I became involved reluctantly and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, one of the things that I pray, I don't trust myself, which is probably why I pray all the time, and I do trust God. And one of the things that I, that I always pray, I pray it daily, is, Lord, make the desire of my heart to be whatever it is you want me to do, because uh, I'm going to make a mess of it otherwise. And so that's how, that's how I got involved. And, and so you fast forward, and the next thing you know, I'm president of the HOA. So the last three or four years... And that is a reluctant thing. There's nobody sitting in this room who wants to do that. But, but so one of the lessons is be careful what you pray because God's liable to answer it. But um, so that's how I got involved. And um, it's interesting. One thing real quick. I know we don't have much time, but of those 59 houses, 15 of them are widows. And believe it or not, we're on the young side of our neighborhood. I know that's hard to believe, but... Um, and so now that I've actually rotated off the board, I'm not real smart, but I was smart enough. One of the revisions was term limits, okay? So that was my escape plan. But they still call me, and it's great, you know. Um, it's, it's a real privilege to have them call up and, you know, help me with my bills or help me with that. So that's how I got started. Thank you. Each of you have made some real intentional efforts to prioritize your time to live in a missional way, recognizing that our time is not our own, um, but a gift to be stewarded as Todd has already shared with us. Susan, will have you start by sharing some of the ways the Lord has called you in particular to do that. Um, you know, we all have seasons in our lives that uh, will uh, give us opportunities to take inventory of how we spend our time, whether it's uh, becoming an empty nester, retirement, uh, whatever, uh, where your time opens up. And then in a big way, uh, for all of us, COVID hit. And um, during COVID, um, you know, many things that I'd been involved with wound down, slowed down, or even just ended. And I was, uh, last summer, spring, summer, I guess, uh, you know, just said, God, I, okay, what do I need to be doing with my time now that things are starting to crank back up? And, you know, probably within 15 minutes, Lisa Jensen called me and asked me uh, to be involved with Overflow and the uh, ministry, the Bible study for moms. And 
I knew immediately that was the answer to that prayer and uh, became involved as a small group leader and just have um, been so um, blessed and enriched by that time. And even uh, more in the context of the neighborhood, Mike and I had realized that we had not taken time to have people in our home, which is not, we do not have the natural gift of hospitality and we're much uh, more comfortable sitting, watching television ourselves and eating dinner in front of the TV and, you know, just um, being, being definitely being more, well, from my standpoint, being selfish with what the Lord has given me, not only in our home, but in the time that he's given us. And so we have tried to become more intentional about having people in our home uh, from our, our area. And the parishes, we're in the Shelby Farms Parish, that's also given us the opportunity. Um, we, Carol Overcast, who lives down the street, Carol and Bill live down the street from us, we started a women's Bible study just a few times this summer, a casual women's Bible study for the women in our parish. And that's been a real blessing uh, to, to get to know more people and see these people get to know each other. So um, I'm uh, thankful that I think saying yes to those opportunities, um, practicing saying yes makes it easier, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Mike? Um, what was the question again? No. Um, actually, um, one of the things... Um, that, I, that I've discovered is time is short, and, and if I don't do something, or at least make a yellow sticky note and put it on the mirror in the bathroom, it won't happen. And one of the, um, the spiritual component of what we're trying to do, uh, at, at, in essence, is to bear spiritual fruit. And uh, the way that that happens is it begins with prayer. And so I've... One thing that I learned a long time ago, and this was outside of the context, this was more the context of my job was that I remember the first time I t told somebody I was going to pray for them and then came back around a day or two later and had forgotten. And so I learned early on, 30 some odd years ago, to just stop and pray, you know, and rather than saying, oh, I'll pray for you. Just, well, it's easier just stop and pray. And the first thousand times or so that you do it is scary. But another thing that George has said, and it's biblical, is just open your mouth. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus said the same thing. There are three places, three accounts of Scripture where he told the disciples, don't be afraid when you come before kings and rulers because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Matthew 10, 30, uh, Mark, uh, whatever. Matthew 10, 30, Mark 11, 13. And, he's, and George said, so just open your mouth. So the best thing to do is say, can I pray for you? And open your mouth and start praying, and the Holy Spirit will give you prayers. And um, so that was really as far as stewarding your time. I know that that's kind of a roundabout way of doing it, but it's important that we do pray. It's if, it, and there's no more powerful um, time that you can spend with your neighbors and praying for them, whether they know the Lord or they don't know the Lord. It doesn't matter. I've never had one person say, oh, no, thanks anyway. <laughs> so anyway, that's... Thanks. Lizzie? Yeah. Um, for Glenn and I, over the past year, we've been you know, trying to reorient our lives um, for what it looks like, um, you know, to serve individually and then now as a couple. Um, and 
uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're used to doing what we want, when we want, um, how we want to, and on our best days, um, we're striving towards making margin in our lives to you know, have that extra five minutes to have a conversation with our neighbors um, or um, be able to run to the grocery store to help somebody out. Um, but intentionally trying to make space um, when those opportunities do come up um, and make space in our calendar for nights with our neighbors. Um, when, um, when we first asked started dating and got engaged. Both Glenn and I owned homes. And when we, when we got engaged, I was really sad because that meant one of us would have to move. Um, and we'd both been investing in our neighborhoods. And I kept asking, um, and I felt very um, settled in my neighborhood. And um, I kept asking God to give me a vision for what that would look like to live with Glenn. And I wasn't really excited about moving to his home. And um, really wanted to stay at my house, and um, it's been really sweet of um, just how the Lord has aligned, um, you know, our initiatives with the parishes and um, in our community group in Cana um, to um, with with that prayer of Lord, give give us a vision for our home and for our neighborhood, and it just so happened He put two couples that are our age that. Um, actually want to be our friends and um, want to hang out with us. So, um, you know, we're, uh, he, he continues to answer those prayers, and we're really thankful for that. So it makes it easy to make time a little bit um, because people want to be with us. So, Thank you. So as we conclude, Lizzie, we'll start with you. What's one or two pieces of practical advice that you have to give all of us this morning on how we might make progress in prioritizing our time to live more missionally? Yeah. Um, I tend to um, get overwhelmed and, um, you know, God calls us to, um, you know, love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I think it can be really easy to, um, you know, hear, like what we were talking about with Todd earlier, um, get so overwhelmed and anxious, um, but trying to go back to what is it that God has called us to do. Um, he's called us to be faithful to him. Um, and so I'm, I'm continually asking, you know, every morning, Lord, what does it look like for me to be faithful today? Um, and um, especially in terms of, you know, spending time with my neighbors. And sometimes that looks like just following up and sending a text and asking how a job interview went, um, or it could be, you know, organizing a dinner, but um, trying to be sensitive to, um, you know, what the Lord is telling me just for today, moment by moment, um, in order to uh, follow him. Susan? Well, um, I would say uh, that there's a real danger in comparing yourself to another person. Um, because I live with somebody who is um, um, incredibly gifted in a lot of ways to serve. In, I mean, he serves in a lot of different capacities. And um, I realize that Mike and I have different gifts. So God has called us uh, in different ways to serve him. So I would say to not... Um, um, 
and rather than being discouraged by looking at somebody who you think is doing what you ought to be doing, be encouraged by that person and the gifts that God has given him or her. Be encouraged that the Lord's using them in those ways and then be encouraged by the gifts that the Lord's naturally given you and the way that, that he's called uh, you to serve him. Mike? Uh, yeah, the, um, what Todd ended with is the most important thing. And is spending time with the Lord. Uh, Jesus said in John 15 that the one who abides with me, he's the one that, that bears a lot of fruit. And so you can't know the Lord and you can't be like the Lord. You can't do the things that the Lord would do unless you spend time with him. So, uh, you know, time management, when I wake up, um, I'm a morning person, okay, and I know that some people have their devotional times in the evening, but in the morning, it's like I don't trust myself to get to get out into the day unless I start with the Lord, and so that's really the most important time of the day. If you're managing your time, you'd be surprised, even if it's if you think, I haven't got time in the morning, i got to get the kids ready or whatever, if you can get up 10 or 15 minutes earlier and read one chapter of the Bible and just pray back to the Lord, you know, what was he saying to you? Just tell him back. Uh, that's how you. That's how you abide. That's how I abide with the Lord is through His Word and through prayer. And then what happens? It's 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 almost counterintuitive. We're um, high performing group, right? You know, and and we we got a lot of administrative gifts, and it's great because Lauren and the parish model is going to give us. This, the structure for doing everything, but actually bearing spiritual fruit won't come from that. It comes from time, from getting the word of God into you. And then when you open your mouth, like George says, it comes out. And so that's, uh, it's almost counterintuitive if you are a driven, you know, programmed person that, that you can't make it happen. I can't make it happen, but the Lord can, and that's how he does it. Thank you. It's a good word. I invite Todd to come up and pray for us and close us up. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for these dear brothers and sisters and um, their willingness uh, to just live out the Jesus life and to be vulnerable about where they um, sometimes fail uh, and yet know that they um, are dearly loved sons and daughters of God. And so they exist and um are in the culture, are in the context of your grace. And so because of that, um, Lord, they feel the freedom to learn from you, uh, to spend time with you, to pray. Lord, all those things that uh, we've heard today, pray that, Lord, you would work them in our lives, beginning first with the realization that today, if we've given our lives, if we're trusting in Christ today, right now, regardless of how much we feel we failed, we are dearly loved sons and daughters of God. And that is a reality, whether we feel it or not. So Lord, sink that deep into us by the power of your spirit. And then Lord, help us uh, to be excited about your mission. As, as Mike said, Lord, shape our hearts, form our hearts to desire what you desire. So that those things begin to align and we get to experience the joy that comes and the peace that comes from having every moment uh, taken captive for you. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.